Hi, I'm Joe Caroni, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Speaking of early, how about that Cro-Magnon, Marty Drywitz? Thank you, Marty, for silky smooth sound. Make me sound like Peggy Lee. Freddy and the Dreamers. The wrong speed. We've got it on the wrong speed. For those of you who are recovering from a hangover, that's going to sound just right. Let's pull it right back down. Let's try a little faster, see if that picks it up a little bit. Let's get up on 718. Those pilots are going right now. I really like the music. I really like the music. I really like the music. Oh, still a bad song. Hey, wait a minute. Let's try something. Let's play this backwards and see if it gets any better. Well, there's Nivev. Freddy is a devil. Well, there's Nivev. Freddy is a devil. Hey, uh, hi. Can you help me? What's your name? My name is Roosevelt Lee Roosevelt. Roosevelt, what town are you stationed in? I'm stationed in Poontang. Well, thank you, Roosevelt. What's the weather like out there? It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Foo, what is hot? I told you again. Were you born on the sun? It's damn hot. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 113. Uh, this episode is being recorded the day after the funniest man in the world has died. Uh, was my response, um, as I'm sure holy fuck was many people's response. Josh Hawks, what was your response? Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much the same. Like, is that, is it real? Because you never know nowadays, because it seems celebrities die all the time and they're still and alive. there has been specific death hoaxes yeah. like, for Robin Williams, yeah. And so I was just like, uh-oh. And then I looked into it and found some news blurb, and I said, oh, man, that that just, yeah, it, total, um, a total guy I looked up to growing up as yeah. far as comedy went. Not that I'm some sort of comedian, but kind of gave me a, an idea that, like, it's okay to be a little crazy. Uh, he was, there was no one funnier then. Like, you know, when he was, when he was, he could just be, like, 
gut-wrenchingly funny at times to where you just felt like you'd never laughed that hard in your life before. And, uh, you know, every, we grew up, I'm working Mindy, and was that was there anything special about that? Because you're in Denver. Oh, you weren't in Denver then, though, were you? When did Mork and Mindy come out? I have it right in front of me. 78 to 82. I was here. Yeah. Um, but Boulder, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother. Boulder might as well be another whole nother state really? to Colorado. Yeah. Okay. Not that it's that far. It's just a whole, it's a whole different mindset there. But um, I, I think I probably didn't pick up on that too much, or I just noticed that, oh, hey, look, they have a Colorado plate. Right, right. <laughs> just didn't think anything of it because, you know, I was a kid still. Well, they were always driving through the mountains, and uh, he'd be sitting in the seat upside down in the Jeep when they pulled up. Yes. <laughs> oh, did you, did you see the happy days where Mork was introduced? Yes. Yeah, that was cool. After, right? Way after the fact. It's, you know, oh, yeah. Some of sort course. of syndication <laughs> yeah. run of some sort, but yeah. Yeah, totally insane, man. Like, I was trying to think earlier when the first time I really saw him other than Mork and Mindy, and it was probably Popeye. Popeye, as far as uh, I've been sitting here racking my brain all day about it, but I'm pretty sure Popeye was my first exposure to Robin Williams. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, that I can recall. And I was a huge Popeye fan as a kid. Instead of babysitting, my parents would just put me in front of a Popeye cartoon. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I was good to go. So when the movie came out, or when we were finally able to see it anyway, you know, I, I didn't think it was the greatest movie in the world, but it was cool to see Popeye. Popeye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did well, man. He did a complete justice and. You know, it was the start of something we'd see eventually with uh, whoever thought afterwards he would become a fucking Oscar winner fucking... Uh, Oscars are cool, too. Sorry, kids. It was a big one tonight. (sighs) Excuse me, I'm going to have a sip of tea here. Oh, it's delicious. Um, it was, it was really though, when I saw his stand up, when I first got to see his stand up as a kid, I was like, this guy is just insane. Which one in particular? I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. Okay. There were, there were a few. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I could, I couldn't remember or tell you. And, but I just remember like laughing so hard it hurt, but I, I, you forget about how many movies he made as well until this happens and everybody's bringing up movies and you're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I couldn't believe I hadn't thought of the Fisher King. Till I saw someone post it today, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, unreal. I don't even think I've seen Fisher King. Oh, dude, you gotta see that movie. That's kind of what when he was like switching over. You know what I mean? That kind of made him legitimate. Cause uh, they're so good together in that. Him and Jeff Bridges. He plays like a crazy homeless dude, you know? Right, right. But it's uh, it's really, really good stuff. But Man, some of the tributes I've been reading and stuff, it's amazing the brilliance that some kind of tragedy like this can have like or bring out in certain artists. Like, And you forget that comedians and actors, even though they're celebrities and Hollywood people, they are artists, a lot of them. And some of the shit people have written, like in particular, uh, I don't know if you read Norm MacDonald's little tweet thread. Yeah, I did. Oh I'm, my a huge, I'm a huge oh. Norm MacDonald fan anyway. Uh, yeah. But that was that's that was something. Kids, if you haven't read it, get on Twitter and go to at Norm McDonald and read his little thread and it's like five or six tweets and it's just 
fuck. It, by the end of it, you're just like, oh, heart ripped out of chest. Oh. Like the first most of it is like heart is huge and happy and full of love. And then boom, heart ripped out at the end. So yeah, sad. For sure. And Russell Brand, did you happen to read what he wrote? I did not yet. He, it's just kind of like a little essay, you know, and uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty something too. But he touches a lot on the uh, the whole depression thing, you know. So it's a shameful way for it to happen, but all of a sudden, depression just got a serious boost in the consciousness of the social aspect. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's gonna be fucking wacky. We're gonna hear a lot of fucking helplines going around, which is great. It's wonderful, but it's too bad it took something like this because. You know, I used to be one of those type of people who, like, thought suicide was cowardice. I was. I totally just because I so didn't comprehend or understand it. And I re- thought that was silly. And seeing a lot of this has definitely, you know, cemented the fact that I don't feel like that anymore because just I just cannot comprehend taking your own life. It's just, I don't know, maybe my brain's missing that bad wiring that is unfortunate that some people get that can make that capable. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I, I'm on the same page with you. On all those same yeah. pages. I mean, I've it, been low. I've been horrible. I've been, you know, really, really bad places in life. But I just never could go through with it. Like, it, man, oh, to do harm to yourself to that extent is just something's something's not wired. I don't know what it is. I wish science could do something sciency and figure it out better. Sciency. Yeah, uh, it, it's an unfortunate thing. It really is. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, I, that's, that's basically <laughs> it. And, well, Billy Crystal said it best in his tweet, just no words. That's all he tweeted. And it was like, oh, shit. That's shitty. But uh, not to dwell on the shit. Yeah, let's, let's too let's much. You know. What was your favorite? I mean, not that you could probably pick your favorite, but what was a favorite? Oh, God. It's... I mean, we're going to go through the whole list, I'm sure. But, I mean, like, let's, let's start a conversation. Uh, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire was good. I don't know if it was my favorite. It's hard to, there's so many, because Fisher King and Goodwill Hunting even, like, it's, it's, he's almost one of those guys who makes it impossible to pick a favorite movie, because he did so many different kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. It's hard to compare them and pick a favorite, you know, from like, in, from like Photo Booth to like, you know, Jack, <laughs> like, what the hell, like... Right. Countless, countless movies. Toys was a good one. It was a weird one. Toys was out there, yeah. for sure, but it was fun. Yeah, it was like a weird LSD fucking Willy Wonka type trip, you know what I mean? I, I really got a kick out of uh, Bicentennial Man. Oh, yeah, that was kind of fucking weird, too, eh? Man, there's there's one I feel like I'm missing. Dead Poet Society, that was that was all right. wasn't my favoriteist. You know, right? Yeah, it may be Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire was hilarious. Yeah, it, it, it not just hilarious, but well crafted. You know what I mean? And it was a well-made movie all around. And uh, but even he made epic movies. You know? Actually, no, no. I absolutely no. Oh, I see. <laughs> now I want to cry because it took to this long to even think of Awakenings. And mm. that is a masterpiece of a movie. There it is, right there. Holy shit. Like, that's how many movies he made. 
That is easily my favorite Robin Williams movie. Him and De Niro, good God. What a performance in that movie. Easily Awakenings. See, in those those early 90s days, along with Doubtfire uh, and Toys, was, um, what's it called? Uh, Aladdin. Yes! When Disney was really just starting to get their groove back on, you know? After Little Mermaid. Didn't they make a cartoon called that? Oh, the Emperor's New Group? Is that <laughs> yeah. Disney? Yeah, that's Disney. I don't, yeah. I don't know. No, it's actually one of Aaron's favorites. She always makes the kid watch that, and the kid doesn't really like it. He's not into it. He just goes and plays, and she keeps watching it. <laughs> it was crazy that they didn't have him in the second Aladdin movie. Well, I think there was something that happened there. I don't remember what. Neither do I. But that made, that reminds me third. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried tweeted too. He's uh, he said it said uh, from the parrot to the genie, rest in peace or some kind of thing mm. or some shit. That was a sweet one. But yeah, the Awakenings. What a sick movie. And even Hook was fun. You know, like Hook was right. ridiculous, like silly concept in a way. But yeah, Jack was hilarious and sad. <laughs> but you know, yeah. brought Bill Cosby out as well too. Yeah, it is. He it hadn't was... had a job in a long time. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny times. Well, it's uh, I've never known a time when there wasn't Robin Williams, and I didn't think he was one of the funniest guys, if not the funniest man in the world. The only reason I have to say one of is because I might get called out on the fact that many times I have said Will Ferrell is the funniest man alive. But you don't think about Robin Williams much because you know he kind of was having troubles and he stayed out of doing good work he made he was on that tv show i don't know why but he hadn't made a movie in a while you know and it's uh <clears throat> it's too bad and uh you know you, you just forget but what, oh, man what a body of work what a contribution what what a what a career you know what a life and you know people don't even care about the movies a lot of people are just like he was so kind you know what i mean Oh, yeah. I was watching um, that thing he did at the uh, USO. Yes. He was doing, like, a stand-up bit. And uh, apparently when they, they lower the flag, they play something called Retreat on a trumpet. Okay. And it's customary to look wherever the sound is coming from, if you're not facing it already, stand at attention and salute Okay. when you're on base. So right in the middle of his bit, they start playing Retreat in the entire crowd turns his, their backs on Robin Williams. And he doesn't, he's like, uh, what's going on? And after he sat there real quietly and had a, you know, kind of a grin on his face the whole time. But, you know, after the music ended, every, he, everybody turned back around and he was just like, all right, can someone explain to me what just happened? Like he thought it was yeah. really cool after he found out. But he, and as soon as he got even just a little bit of information, he kind of improv some jokes just right oh, there i'm sure i'm sure his mind started working instantly like how am i gonna bring this back <laughs> uh i don't think he thought much i think it just flowed out of him like a fucking river you know what i mean did you see the video with him and the gorilla no there's a a gorilla uh her name is coco and apparently the the gorilla knows can understands english and uh, and can sign I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he and uh, the Ron Williams and the uh, the gorilla like had a an encounter at some point 
and like the article says they instantly bonded and the video shows them tickling each other and he just looks like that's awesome the look on his face is just like he's trying to just like figure it out like what does this thing know (laughs) (laughs) but i saw there was a thing about the same gorilla they they told the gorilla that robin williams was dead and they said anyway that you know the gorilla looked sad if a gorilla can look sad oh he made a gorilla sad that takes talent but uh the talent he had for making us all laugh and laugh and laugh and cry and all that shit is just insane. My grandfather raised me on, uh, you know, Robin Williams comedy, and he had the albums and he had the videos, and he was all about him as a stand-up. And <clears throat> I just remember sitting there with my grandpa and watching that shit, and just us just laughing our fucking asses off. And uh, I would like to thank him for uh, all of that. So in his memory. Uh, we thought we'd just chat for a quick bit about that, so thank you for joining me at Hockey's. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm always around. But, uh, what we got tonight for you kids is a very, very special interview that actually, in a way, unfortunately, also itself, involves a little bit of, uh, the same type of tragedy. And, uh, if anybody remembers a very seminal film of the 1990s called The Crow, starring... Brandon Lee, uh, we had a very, very special opportunity to sit and chat with Miss Rochelle Davis, who played Sarah, if you remember his little friend Sarah, if you remember the movie. If you haven't, go see it soon. Um, you know, uh, there's some rough stuff that came out of that demise, and it's very sad. And uh, we didn't dwell too much on that in our interview. I just wanted to keep it upbeat and positive as we always try to stay, you know, one love and all that kind of thing. We tried to keep it that way. But uh, so we chatted, and she's very open about a lot of stuff. And she told a very sweet story about her little her little boy uh, seeing the crow for the first time and this. And talk a little bit about conventions and this and that. But uh, she's a super cool, super rad chick. And uh, I thank her very, very much for spending some time chatting it out with me. And, uh, you know, you get to hear a little bit about Brandon Lee if uh, you're into that kind of thing. Sweet, sweet things. Uh, that's all she had to say or anybody had to say. It's one of the reasons that uh, she was gone for a long time. She left Celebrity, and uh, she never really made another movie. And, uh, you know, um, she did one, but, you know, <clears throat> it didn't come out there or something. But, uh, you know, but she's pretty much stayed away from that because obviously that's a bit of a traumatic experience. Her and Brandon got pretty close and uh, she's 12 years old when she made that movie. So that's that's rough fucking times. You know what I mean? But uh, the reason that she's starting to do cons and uh, podcasts and hanging out is because, you know, she doesn't want people to forget and she wants people to remember. And there's plenty out there who do remember and there's plenty out there who are still loving the crow and passing it on to future generations uh, I consider the soundtrack, I talk about it in the interview, but that soundtrack is still probably the greatest soundtrack or album of the 90s, other than maybe Siamese Dream, but Siamese Dream is just above all decades. But anyways, um, ooh, I think I'll lose some listeners for that one. I don't know. Could happen. Um, but yeah, cool stories about Brandon Lee being just the kindest, uh, most wonderful man in the world, which seems to be a trend uh, this evening with our conversations. So uh Enjoy that. Again, Josh, thank you very, very much. Yeah, you're very welcome, sir. 
carpe diem and all that kind of good stuff. Don't nice. swear to me. <laughs> captain, my captain. <laughs> all right. Uh, enjoy this interview. It is in uh, tribute to Robin Williams tonight, kids, that uh, we have flicked our Bix Nanu Nanu. And it's weird, in California this summer, all the state parks caught on fire, which was sad because these parks are full of weed. It's bad news. <laughs> it's like even the guys fighting the fires are like, <laughs> oh my God, make another rainbow, Tommy. Oh my God. It's weird. Even Smokey the Bear is going, only you can... Shit, I knew this. <laughs> and California weed is kick-ass fucking weed. This is weed that even Jamaicans go, oh, don't smoke that weed, man. <laughs> it's California catatonic. It's the type of weed you hit it and it's like, fuck. <laughs> Shit. I'm not doing something. <laughs> What is it? All right, breathe. <gasps> and you get so stoned, you end up sitting on your couch for a week to the point where your cat's going, get up, you asshole. I've been eating my own shit for the last two days. I know mellow, but this is fucking ridiculous. And if they legalize it, they're going to have to regulate it, and they're going to have to put a warning on a box of joints. It's going to have to say, Surgeon General has determined this will make your music awesome. <laughs> Even Yanni. <laughs> and if you thought you enjoyed cartoons before, <laughs> like, and if they're going to have ads, they're going to have ads, and it'll be like, instead of the Marlboro Man, it'll be the Mendocino Man. It'll be a cowboy in the back of a horse going, shit, am I thirsty? God damn. <laughs> Even the horse will be going, I don't know where the fuck I am. God damn, I got a little cotton mouth here, god damn it. Sometimes. It's more like surfing than skating. I wish the rain would stop just once. It can't rain all the time. Eric? If I don't smoke a bowl when I wake up, I'm not good. Yeah, you got to wake and bake. It's yeah, you know. It's... So she and so she, so she told me. She said, "Well, we're working on it in this state. You know, we're working on Pennsylvania becoming a medical marijuana state." And I said, "That's good." And I said, "So what the hell am I supposed to do till then?" And she said, "Well, keep getting it where you get it from." Yeah, well, shit. Yeah, I didn't realize Pennsylvania wasn't didn't even have medical marijuana yet, eh? Wow, that's totally crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But whatever, it is what it is. And and it'll get there. It'll get there like everything always does eventually. It takes forever in this damn country. Have you always been in Pennsylvania? or Pennsylvania, and then I lived in Miami for 10 years on and off. And I lived in North Carolina when I did The Crow. 
Oh. I used to actually, I used to actually stay up in Canada in, um, Montreal in the summers when I was younger. That's where we used to stay. My mom was like obsessed with Canada. Really? Yeah. Was she from she here or just liked Montreal? No, or? she just loved Montreal. And what happened was she was about 13 years old and she decided she was going to walk to Canada from <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, I'm, kid- I'm not kidding you. I'm dead serious. And so she did. She decided she was going to walk from Pennsylvania to Canada with a French-English dictionary in her hand <laughs> and no shoes on. So she started walking and started hitchhiking, and she got all the way up there. She checked herself into school. She started going to school. She was she was doing really well. And then her boyfriend came up there and said, what the hell are you doing living in Canada <laughs> And and she said, I don't know, I like it here. It's beautiful and, and people are smarter and you know, and he said, Just get your ass on the bike and we're going home. And she said, Fine and she went came back home. But yeah, she was always like obsessed. So when she had me and my sister, um, she decided that every year we would go up to the mountains and camp. And my uncle would tell her, you know, you can't just go to Canada and camp. Like you, <laughs> you can't just pick pick a tree in the woods and sleep beside it. Like you kind of have to go somewhere where there's lots of people and stuff. And my mom was kind of like, "Nah, we're just gonna go pop a tent." And like, that's literally what we did. We went into the middle of nowhere and popped a tent and camped. That's and somehow awesome. didn't die. Yeah, I don't know how we didn't die, but we didn't. Wow. And this is post crow. <laughs> no, this is pre crow. Damn. Way pre-Crow. I was like four years old, yeah. Holy shit. What were you when you did Crow? Were you were 12? 12. Wow. I'm thinking back, and it didn't seem like you were that young. But I guess when you think about it, yeah. Holy shit. It's weird because my son is going to be 11 in the beginning of October. Wow. <laughs> So I'm, I, and it's, and this is creepily coming on, you know, like I, it's, it's like two years away, basically, well, a year away, basically now from when I did the crow to how old he is. So the one day we're sitting here, um, my son's very sweet, gentle kind of boy. He's not a rough, tough, you know, mm-hmm. likes to, you know. You know, it possibly could be gay for all I know. I mean, he's just so very, I mean, he's just so timid and sweet and gentle. Anyway, he said to me, um, you know, he, he said something to me and I said, Destin, I said, what is going on with you today that you're behaving so well? And he said, um, oh, he goes, I've been really good, haven't I, mom? And I said, yeah, you have. I go, what do you want? And he goes, I don't want anything. And I said, well, why, be, why being so good? And he said, well, do you remember you told me about your friend, um, from the crow? And I said, Brandon. And he goes, yeah, the one that died. And I said, yeah, what, what about him? And he said, well, every time we talk about him, you tell me how nice he was and how he was such a gentleman. And he always treated the ladies with respect and girls loved him. And, he was just so nice and you just never say anything bad about him. And I was like, there's nothing bad to say about him, baby. You know, I don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you. 
I said, what's that have to do with you being so good? He goes, well, I want to be like him when I'm older. Oh. Oh. <laughs> now, I'm looking at this kid who's 10 years old. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely the most adorable thing that my son has ever said to me. I literally broke down into tears, hugged him, and he said, I just want you to be as proud of me as you were of knowing him. And I just thought, whoa, like this kid is is two years younger, not even, only really a year younger than I was when I met Brandon. And he looks up to him as a role model. And it's 20 years later. Yeah, it's amazing. And that just that that just shocked me. I just couldn't believe it. My my son just blew me away with that. I got to show my kid the crow. <laughs> well, my son just watched the crow for the first time this year after he went to a convention with me. Really? And yeah, and I you know I wasn't gonna let him see it because it you know it's a violent movie and all that kind of stuff. But I thought he's he's a smart kid. He he knows how to. Um, differentiate, you know, real life and, and a movie. Right. And so I told him, I said, look, this is a movie and mommy, mommy will tell you all about what, what about it is fake and what, you know, how it was made and all that stuff so that you can understand that it is just a movie. And he said, okay. And, and he'd seen how people reacted to me at the convention. And so he wanted to see the movie and I said, okay, we'll watch it one day. So he came over one weekend and, and he goes, Mom, can we watch The Crow? And I said, yeah, I guess we can. Let's, yeah, why not? Let's sit down and watch it. So we watched it and he goes, wow, can I watch it again? <laughs> and I was like, this is a 20-year-old movie, you know, like this is, I just wanted you to see it so you knew what Mommy did in it, you yeah. know, like I didn't. That shit no, holds up, though. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I want to watch it again, you know, and and he does, like he'll watch it. Pretty often, I mean, he'll he'll come over here and he'll say, I'll say, what do you want to watch, babe? Let's watch something off Netflix. And he'll say, can we watch The Crow again? And I'm like, really? Again? Like, of, of, I've seen it enough times. <laughs> of all the good and bad and everything that came out of that movie, it must be amazing that 20 years later, something so positive as your son being influenced well by it, that's got to be amazing. That's got to be an awesome feeling, you know? It's it's pretty, it's pretty insane. And, you know, when I, when I had Destin, I wasn't even involved in any of this stuff, any of the interviews or conventions or, you know, nothing. I didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff. And then, um, he got a little bit older and people started asking me why I didn't do these things. And I didn't even know they existed. And I said, well, I guess I would do one. So somebody got me involved and that's when it hit me because I would go to these conventions and these like 13, 14, 15, 16 year old girls and boys would come up to me and be like, Oh my God, that's my favorite movie. And I'd be like, you weren't even alive <laughs> when that movie came out. Like, what are you talking about? That's your favorite movie. Like what? That's awesome. I, it's, but, it's not hard for you to watch then. It is hard for me to watch. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard for me to watch, but I do. I watch it because I I want to keep um the memory of everything he did in that movie like as alive as possible. I I could care less about watching my scenes. I really right. Just don't have any interest. I'm not, you know. 
Yeah, but he did something really special with that movie. I mean, that movie, to me, that movie is quintessential of what the the 90s kind of were. You know, the freedom of art and the experimentation and the originality and everything that was happening in the 90s, that movie kind of encapsulated it too. And for them to take such a risk on like an Obar comic book, like, yeah. we're going to make a movie about this? Like, that's crazy. And then for Brandon, like, who who was known, but not, like, you know, a huge, like, celebrity sort of thing, for him to take the risk of yeah. doing a movie like that just shows how much he cared about the actual art of it. You know what I mean? How he, he wasn't in it to be a celebrity or whatever. He probably thought, this is cool. This is original. This is something I can really get into doing, you know? At least that's the impression I always got. Yeah, no, it was. I don't think anybody. I mean, I don't think anybody had a clue what was going to happen to the movie when it came out. I think he just wanted to do something really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so uber <laughs> and it showed cool. through, you know. So it worked out, but it. He was. Yeah. So into his role, he was so into it. Oh, it's amazing, you know, because yeah, I think back and it really, I mean, the the '90s were such a great time for all these independent movies and these alternative movies and like just the soundtrack alone i think the crow soundtrack is got to be one of the top five soundtracks ever like all those incredible songs by those incredible artists all different in their own right put together to make this unified awesomeness of this fucking movie you know yeah i was gonna say this the the soundtrack tells its own story even if you don't even watch the movie you just listen to the soundtrack even if you had no interest in ever seeing the movie and you just listen to the soundtrack Mm -hmm. you would feel something weird from that that you wouldn't even know what it was about but yeah this vibe you know because goth and mod and that was also big i mean i was a huge goth mod kid in the 90s you know edward scissorhands would have been jealous of my hair so the crow was like so right up my alley. I was just a little goth drama kid, you know. I was just into <laughs> acting and and blackness, and that's all I cared about. And yeah. that that movie just for us at the time was like, here you go, here's something to make you so goddamn happy for a couple hours that it's going to be insane, you know. So, yeah, well, it worked out because I didn't see the movie at all until I saw it when it came out, like when they brought me to the, to see the premiere. And I was, I had no idea what it looked like. Like, I knew what it looked like. Right. I didn't know what it looked like. (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole different outlook when you're watching it on screen, for sure. And you were only 12, you know? Like, I was probably maybe... I I was a very old 12, though. Okay, yeah. Well, that kind of shows in the movie, it does. I was like 17 or so around there when that movie came out, maybe 16, 17, 18, like, I was right in the prime of high school, you yeah, know? Yeah, see, we would have been friends because, see, like, uh, when I when I did the movie, I was 12. When it came when I when I was doing the movie, I turned 13. And when the movie came out the next year, I was 14. Okay. When I was 14 and the movie had just come out, my friends, all of them, were over 24. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I hung out with everybody that was like 10 years older than me. I couldn't hang out with kids that were 14 and 15 years old at that point because, well, mo- probably mostly because I had just spent, an, you know, four or five, six months on a set with a bunch of adults talking to adults. Like, I, kids bored me at that point. Yeah, well, you know? you're also working in a way, right? Like, is, I'm sure oh, it was yeah, as fun as it was and everything. You're a 
12, oh, yeah, 12 year old with a job, right? <laughs> like, did you have like, did you tutor on set or? Yeah. 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 Every morning before, before we went on set and then I would work usually like anywhere from 12 to 14 hours. Holy shit. After I was being done being tutored. And that was, um, completely illegal. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't give a shit. And you know what? I didn't either. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I remember those days when I'd be like in a play or something. We'd spend a whole Saturday for like 16, 18 uh, hours yeah. just rehearsing and rehearsing. And you didn't get tired because you're having so much fun doing it. You know, that was the fucking best. Yeah. yeah. My grandmother still tells me to this day. She always reminds me of this little story about us that I was um, uh, on set and I was doing this scene in the rain as always. <laughs> and over 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 again. So we get back to the dressing room and she drives me off with the towel. This is my grandmother, of course, who like, you know, still to this day will will fold my underwear when she comes and does my laundry. Um so she's wiping me down with the towel and putting me in, in you know, warm clothes and I'm kinda like giving her shit. And uh we leave and I we get like five minutes outside of the um, sound studios and I go Graeme can we go back and she goes are you kidding me <laughs> and I, I was like, having a really good time and she's like you can't even keep your head up you're going to bed that's where you're going <laughs> you need sleep child <laughs> and I'm thinking no but I I don't mind. Like I really could just keep going and being bipolar. I probably could have, you know, but yeah, it yeah. was a good thing for me. So I, <laughs> she was right. I had to go home and go to sleep. But <laughs> that was after like a 16 hour shoot. It was like insane. I was like yeah. 13 years old going, can I go back and do more? <laughs> so like, did you do tons of acting before the crow? Like, like what yeah. brought that about? Like just doing plays and commercials or whatever. Part. No, no commercials. I never got into like corny stuff. I just, I just did a lot of plays in like camp and school and I don't know, anything that I could get anywhere that I could get into drama, I got into drama. So uh, yeah. I just decided one day I was going to do it that's, for a living. That's awesome. And your mom was totally like, yeah, do it up. So how do you hear of like a crow audition? Did you have like an agent or something? Uh, I had gotten the crow audition with an agent, but it wasn't literally my agent. Like it was my uncle's agent that sent me out for an audition. Oh, okay. <laughs> Your uncle's agent. That's awesome. How did he feel when you get this Hollywood movie? <laughs> not, not good. No. <laughs> I said it all. That's got to suck. Eh? <laughs> now he was pretty pissed off actually, because he kept calling me and telling me that I wasn't going to get the movie. And I said, that's fine. And he goes, I know you keep getting called back, but just so you know, you're not going to get the part. And I was like, that's fine. Yeah. I don't care. I really don't. Got to try. And, uh, yeah. And he just like, he kept pushing it on me, pushing on me, pushing on me. And finally, um, I called him up one day and I was like, got the part in the movie. Yeah. I was like, you know what, dude, you shouldn't have said that that many times. It just jinxed you. <laughs> Um, when you're at the cons, do you ever run into Ernie Hudson? 
all the time. That must be fun. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Like I oh. met him once in uh, in Detroit at a con, and uh, just very briefly, like "Hi, how are you, sir?" type shit, you know. But just people love that guy. He just seems so fucking nice. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is. He's very nice. That's got to be fun. He's having yeah, a banner we... year too because of the Ghostbusters anniversaries and shit. So. Yeah. You know, he's fucking all over the place. It's a big thing for him this year. There's so much shit going on this year. They're like everything from the 80s is having its 25th or its 30th anniversary. So there's fucking people just coming out of the woodworks. They got uh, Fan Expo up here in Toronto. And uh, I could not believe who they pegged down this year. But they have Richard Dreyfus as a fucking guest. What? Yeah, I was like, what the hell is Richard Dreyfus doing at a Comic-Con? Like... That's a little strange. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't he be making a movie or something? You know, it's. <laughs> oh, my God. That's weird. Yeah. And they, I heard they were doing like the 20th year anniversary of uh, Forrest Gump or something like that. 20 years already? I guess so, eh? Holy... Yep. Same time as The Crow, actually. But, I mean, it was just weird. I was like, I was like, wow. Uh, that's totally weird because when you think back it seems like the crow was much longer ago than forrest gump <coughs> it does seem like that but it's it's not it's, it was like i think one was 94 and one was 93 or something like that uh, i know i know the crow was 94 but i'm not sure um if if it was 94 for forrest gump too but i'm pretty sure it was about the same year Ah, man, a lot of crazy stuff went on. I mean, I, I miss the 90s often. I try to tell my 15-year-old daughter, I'm like, you don't know what it was like. I feel like an old <laughs> bastard because I'm like, back in the 90s, music was real. I feel like my parents yelling about the 60s or something, you know what I mean? But everything's just gone to such crap compared to what we had going on in the 90s that it's it's kind of true, you know? It's true in a lot of ways. It's, it's you know, I'm... <sighs> I've tried to never get into that pattern of thinking that my error was the right error, the good error, the the best error, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> because what I found is like my mother um, will not appreciate things that I can appreciate now because she's too old. Right. That's what it comes down to. She's too old. Yeah. You have and to she's consider closed, that. She, she's closed her mind to things that you can't, like, once you've closed your mind to it, that's it. You're done. No more. So, like, I try not to close my mind to anything now. <clears throat> my brother, who's <clears throat> 10 years younger than me, keeps me pretty up, like, on things that are new, like, music-wise and stuff, like, that I might normally go, eh. <laughs> he'll say, he'll say, but wait, no, wait, because this, 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 and this, and then I'll go, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see how that'd be kind of cool. You know, like. Because I try to appreciate different types of sounds and musics and time periods and people and outfits and, you know, whatever. Because I don't want to ever get into that place where I'm, like, stuck in a rut of, like, oh, no, the right. 80s, the 80s and the 90s. And you guys <laughs> don't know what you're like. You have no idea what real music is. And, nice. Uh, yeah, there's there's a certain – well, it's a lot like the 80s. I mean, there's just so much pop going on right now, like poppy music and stuff, you know. But yeah. I, I try to stay involved because, like, doing the podcast and, you know, being into everything that I'm into and a fanboy, I'm able to keep up pretty you know, good on what's going on these days. And I like to be pretty involved in my daughter's life. So I, I'd make sure I 
you know, kind of know what's going on with her. So I, I try to remember that and I'm trying to like, be like, remember when you were 15 and it didn't make any sense to your parents and your dad was right, like, what right, the hell's right. rap music? Right. And I, I totally <laughs> get that. But I think there's certain things like I, I will not allow her to watch the Kardashians. Like oh gosh, yeah, thank goodness. Not allowed on my television, literally, because it's just a bad example. And, and anybody who makes a fuck tape to get famous I don't think they're worth the influence. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Definitely. So I leave her music alone and I let her listen to her whatever, what she wants. But if I walk in that house and I see Kardashians on my TV, I, I'm not down with that at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. They're horrible. You know, other stuff that goes crazy, like Miley. She's into Miley and, you know, let that go, whatever. I know she she went to a Miley Co- Cyrus concert. And uh, after she went, I saw a bunch of concert on TV. And I was like, oh, this is what my 15-year-old daughter went to see. A girl in a weed bathing suit rolling around in a bed having an orgy with a bunch of dancers, right? And <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was, uh, I remember the Truth or Dare tour. You know, I remember Madonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there's nothing I can say to that, you know? It's it's the same thing. But, <laughs> yeah. But you just, you just got to deal, you know? So... I, and she's actually cool, you know. I can show her stuff from the '90s that she kind of appreciates, and she gets why it was different and why it was cool, you know. Yeah. So it, it shows me that I at least kind of raised her right. I think. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good times. But uh, I had a blast meeting and chatting with you. It was super cool, Rochelle. Yeah, it was awesome chatting with you. So, all right, awesome. Uh, hopefully, we can chat again soon, and uh, you know, just keep yeah. on keeping on, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got my script. All right. Super cool to meet you. Good meeting you, man.